All right, what's happening? What is going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. Appreciate you joining us on a Tuesday. Let's get into it. Today, we're going to talk about win percentage. What's a good win percentage? What's a bad win percentage? And I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but remember, we've got a bunch of new listeners. This is for everyone, a refresher or a new topic. I think it's very important. So look, whether you're buying picks from an individual or a, a company who sells picks, whether you're on social media and you see anyone advertising a win percentage, it's important to contextualize this because everyone out there thinks the higher the win percentage, the better the sports better you are. And that's actually not the case. So today we'll talk about what is a good win percentage? What is the win percentage you want if you want to maximize your profits? And then why do people out there like in social media world think that higher win percentage equals a good thing? So we'll talk about all that and more on today's show. But let's start off with the idea because we can't talk about win percentage until we talk about break-even percentage. Now, we've mentioned this before, like I said, but let's refresh, go into depth about what is a break-even percentage and how does it relate to our bets. The break-even percentage for anything is simply the amount of times whatever we're talking about needs to happen for us to break even with whatever bet they're charging. Okay, let's talk about flipping quarters. It's a very easy example because we can all agree it's 50-50 if you're you're flipping quarters, right? Heads, 50%. Tails, 50%. We can all agree on that. So there's a break-even price with that game, flipping quarters. Since we know the odds, the true odds are 50%, we can use our, well, not even our intuition. We can go to actionnetwork.com and find the, uh, the odds converter or the odds calculator. And on the Action Network odds calculator, what you can find is you can type in either any American odds or any percentage, and it will give you vice versa. So if you type in minus 110 under the American odds section, it'll give you the percentage, whatever that equals in the implied odds, aka break-even percentage. When you're looking at uh, the Action Network, the odds calculator, and you see implied odds, that's another way of saying break-even percent. Whenever you see anywhere in the sports betting world implied odds, that's the same thing as break-even, okay? So if the implied odds don't match up with what we think the price should be, then we either have a bet, good, or a bad bet, good for the house, against us. So let's get back to the flipping quarters example. If you're flipping quarters, obviously that's 50-50 proposition for both people, okay? So the break-even price for that would be even money, or plus 100. Because in a plus 100 bet, every bet you win, you're going to win 100. And every bet you lose, you're going to lose 100. So if you're flipping quarters, you're going to go 50-50. That's a break-even proposition. And we can tell this, we can verify this on the Action Network odds calculator by going to implied odds, typing in 50 for 50%, and seeing what it gives us in the American odds. It's going to give you 100, aka even money bet. So that's, that's, that's simple, right? We all know if you're flipping quarters, it's an even money bet, 50-50. So that, therefore, a pick would be a break-even bet. Okay, so that's kind of the break-even percentage. What what uh, what percentage does whatever we're talking about happen? That's break-even percent. So for break the break-even percentage for quarters, fifty percent. If we're talking about uh, if we have a a bag of ten tennis balls and they're indistinguishable except one tennis ball is red, the others are green. We have a one in ten chance to pull the tennis ball, right? We know that. So there's a 10% chance we'll pull the right tennis ball. So what's the break even odds for us choosing that tennis ball? If we were to say, okay, let's make, let's play a game. I'm going to choose a tennis ball randomly out of this bag. What are the odds you think it's going to be the red tennis ball? Okay. What's the break even percent or what's the break even price for this? I'll give you all a minute if you want to do this with me. 
Well, what we want to do, we want to go to the Action Network odds calculator and type in 10% to the implied odds. Obviously, if there's 10 tennis balls, one of the 10 is red. We have a 10% chance to draw that tennis ball. So we simply go to the Action Network odds calculator. We type in 10 under the implied odds, and it gives us plus 900 for the American odds. So now we know. If if we're out at the park and some random person comes up and says, hey, I got a game. I got 10 tennis balls. One of them's red. Let's make a price. If that price is plus 900 or better, you've got a bet. And by better, we mean better than the implied odds they're charging. So if we get plus 900 or plus 1,000 or plus 1,500 or plus 2,000 or anything above that, it's a good bet for us because we know the implied odds. We know what the bet should be and we know what this individual is charging. So if he, if this guy, the <laughs> I got my example, some random person in the park. <laughs> what is on my mind? Uh, so if this random person in the park comes up to you and says, hey, I've got a game, 10 tennis balls, one of them is red. I'll give you plus 500 odds. You're going to choose the red tennis ball. None of us would make that bet because why we've listened to sports betting daily. We know that doesn't match up with the implied odds. So that's where break even percentage matches up with what we should be doing. In the tennis ball example, the break even percentage is plus 900 flipping quarters. The break even percentage is even money. We have to know the break even for every event before we bet on that event. That's what this all comes down to, right? Because we have to match up or compare the break even percentage with what they're charging. Okay, that's what this kind of comes down to. That's what this all comes back to. Now that we understand break even percentage, right, the amount of money or the amount of bets you need to win to make your money back, let's talk about win percentage. A winning percentage is anything either over or under your break even percentage. And this number will be different for everyone because the classic assumption when when the guy on Twitter says, "Oh, we're 60%." The assumption there, the unwritten thing they're t- they're saying is against minus 110. That's what everyone's talking about. Oh, we're 55% winners. What does that mean? That means against minus 110. If you're betting all minus 150s and you're going 55%, you're losing a lot of money, right? So so winning percentage actually doesn't matter unless you compare it to a break-even percentage. So for all these people on Twitter who are going, it isn't, isn't it funny how every fucking person on Twitter is 60%, right? So besides that, because they all think this is good, we'll talk about in, in, a, in a minute or two why that's actually not good, but let's just go down this path first of all, okay? So if everyone on Twitter is saying 60%, 60%, or 65%, 63%, whatever, we have to compare that to their break-even percentage. So what you should be asking them is instead of, oh my God, 60%, that's amazing. What you should be saying is, what is your average bet? Because if the average bet is anything you know, better than 60%, that's what you got to watch out for. If they're taking all minus 200s, minus 150s, minus 175, no wonder they're going 60%. It's not hard to go 60% if you're taking all those favorites, right? So it's not about win percentage. It's about what is your win percentage compared to your break-even percentage? And look, this isn't just in sports. This is in the entire industry of gambling. Seriously, you walk into a casino, this is exactly precisely how they price all of these casino games. Blackjack, craps, roulette, whatever it is, they're doing the same thing. Let's think about roulette. Okay, roulette, if you just have 18 reds, 18 blacks, 36 numbers like always, you could sit there all day, every day for a year and not expect to lose anything because there's 18 reds, 18 blacks. So you just bet, you just bet red every time and you just sit there red, 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 red. Over a year, you're going to be expected to be right around where you started because it's a 50% break even percentage and you're betting whatever you bet you're going to get back. So what do the casinos do? Well, they just throw on a couple green zeros because the, a couple green zeros now changes it to where you used to have a 50% chance to get red, and now you have around a 47% chance to get red. So 
it doesn't matter what you bet. You could bet red, you could bet black, you could bet even, you could bet odd. The house knows they're going to win long term okay? because they've adjusted the break even percentage. They add those couple zeros, it's now a good bet for them. That's the same thing that we do in sports betting. It's all equivalent here, right? So in roulette, you get you sit down with 18 reds, 18 blacks. Of course, it's a 50-50 proposition, even money. So they add a couple of zeros. It's now a good bet for them. Spin away, play away. They know they're going to win. They, you can do the same thing in roulette for betting numbers, right? There's, there's 38 numbers on a roulette wheel. One through 38. You can bet one. You can bet red 23. You can bet, red, you can bet black 20, whatever, okay? But if you add the zeros, there's a total of 40 numbers, 38 numbers and two zeros. Well, if you bet 23 red and, and it hits and it comes up 23 red, they're going to pay you 35 to one. So you put 100 bucks down, that pays 3,500. That's a nice little payday, okay? But it's still a losing bet over the long run because the true odds of us hitting a number are one in 40. But they pay as if they were one in 35. You see what I'm saying? So in the, in the sports betting equivalency, okay, the price should be plus 4,000, 40 to one, but the line is plus 3,500, 35 to one. Is that a bet we should make? No, absolutely not because they're charging more than they should be. But what if it's the other way around? What if the line should be 35 to one and they're charging 40 to one? Now it's a bet. Now we're playing the role of the house. And this shouldn't drive you crazy. This shouldn't bug you. This is how everything works. This is how all casino games work. Hell, this is how retail works. This is how, this is how restaurants work. You know, that, that pair of jeans you bought for 50 bucks probably cost about 25 bucks to make. That, that meal you bought last night for, for $30 at the restaurant probably cost them about five or 10 bucks to make on the plate, right? So when you take the, the Arizona Cardinals plus 10, they, they, the sports books, think the price should probably be plus plus 11 or plus 12, right? So you're always taking, according to the sports books, a worse price compared to what it should be. So that's what happens at the casinos. That's what happens in sports. But the thing is, the, the key here is sports are very different because in roulette, in the casinos, you know, without a doubt, the exact outcome of that roulette wheel over the course of a week, a month, a year. You know it for sure. But we don't know sports, we think we can get close, but sports is the one thing we can bet on where the house doesn't know the exact outcome, where the house is actually a little afraid to take your money. I mean, and this is proven. I guarantee you this, this will prove itself. If you go to, the, to Vegas right now, walk into the MGM or Caesars, and you want to sit down for $500,000 at the craps table, they, you know what they'll do? A roulette table or black or black table, or whatever it is. You know what they'll do? If you have a half million dollars and you want to sit down and play craps or roulette, they will not only invite you to do so, they'll get you a private suite. They'll get you your own individual waiter. They'll get you essentially someone to, to serve on you hand and foot. They'll give you your own entire room, your own entire dealer. They'll give you anything you want to make that happen. And I know this. This has happened before to people I know. They will give you your entire room to play. They'll bring in. They will wheel up a craps table. Yeah, I want to play 500 for myself. They'll, they'll do whatever you want. Okay. My point here is if you go to the sports book with that same 500 grand and want to make a bet, they will laugh you out of the sports book. They'll say, okay, buddy, we'll take five grand. (laughs) The reason is they're protecting themselves. They know that we may know something they don't know. They know there's a lot of bets out there they missed on. Okay. When we, in, in sports betting, 
it's the same approach. It's a different game because it's not a, a casino game, but it's the same exact approach. So naturally, it's going to boil down to what are they charging? Okay, what's the line? What's the price? And what should they be charging? What do we think the line of the price should be? That's really, I know it seems complex. That's how we find our bets. That's, what, that's the entire process for us to find a bet. When we find it or when we bet a team, okay? If you hear me come on here on the podcast and we're betting a team minus 150 on the money line, that minus 150 means something. Let's go back to the Action Network betting odds calculator. We can go to the American odds and type in 150 for plus 150 or minus 150 because that's what I was just using. So we type in minus 150 to the Action Network betting odds calculator and you'll see the implied odds, 60%, aka the break even 60%. So when we bet a team at minus 150, that minus 150 means a whole hell of a lot. That means 60%. So if I'm giving out a pick minus 150, what does that mean? That means I'm taking something I think will happen over 60% of the time. And we're taking it as if it will happen 60% of the time. Okay, Sports betting is the only thing where we can find ourselves in the role of the house. Small edge, every bet. And we achieve this by picking off those couple of lines that we think are wrong. And the sports books, we have to understand this. The way the market works... Lines are never that wrong. If we think a price is usually wrong, if we think team A has value at minus two and a half, the true price is usually around minus three or minus three and a half. It's super rare that you take a team minus two and a half and they should be, you know, minus six. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. The sports books aren't that incorrect very often, but they are wrong sometimes. So what we can do is if you work your ass off and you know what you're looking for, we can find those sometimes. We can make a living out of picking off those couple of bets every day they're wrong at and betting those lines. Because if we do it enough with the advantage, that's how you make a living. That's how I do what I do. That's how Vegas does what they do. All we're doing is mathematically, we've got a couple percent, which is big. It's usually like under 1%, but we've got a tiny edge every bet. And that tiny edge adds up. So let's get back to this whole 60% thing. Why 60% may be considered to be a bad thing, okay? Because we've now kind of gone in depth about break-even, win percentage, and all, all that stuff. So what do we mean by a 60% bet? When I talk about, oh yeah, I've got a good 60% bet, what does that mean? What that means is we've got a bet that we think will hit or win 60% of the time. And they're charging minus 110, now, minus 110, if we use the good old-fashioned Action Network betting odds calculator, you'll see minus 110 equals 52.38%. Let's call it 52.4%. So if minus 110, which is what they're charging, has a break-even or implied odds of 52.4%, and we ourselves mathematically have that team winning 60% of the time, that is a very, very good bet, but it's a very, very rare bet. You are rarely going to find a bet that should be minus 150, 60%, and is minus 110, 52.4%. That's a 7.6 advantage. <laughs> That's crazy, right? That is insane. But let, let's follow this out because I'm not going to get to it. Yeah, and you may see where I'm going with this, okay? But let's follow this out. So, that's very rare, okay, to have a 7.6 advantage in a bet, to have a 60% or minus 150 when it should be 52.4% minus 110, okay, that's very rare. But what's more common are finding 57% bets, right? Oh, this will happen 57% of the time and they're charging minus 110. 
What's even more common is you'll find 55% bets. Okay, they're charging as if it should be 55% of the time, or excuse me, they're charging as if it should be minus 110, 52.4%, but I think it should be 55%. That's going to happen a lot more often, okay? So that means 55% is about minus 122. So it's more common that you're going to say, hmm, I think this line should be minus 122, but it's minus 110. Let's make a bet. You're going to find a lot more of those than, hmm, I think it should be minus 150, but it's minus 110. Let's make a bet. So the point here is, if you have the ability, the true ability to pick 60% winners, because as, as we just mentioned, that's finding a bet that has a 7.6 advantage over and over and over and over. That's very rare. Okay. So if you're that good and you have the ability to pick 60% winners, well, by definition, you can also pick 59% winners and 58% winners and 57 and 56 and 55% winners. Okay. And this is assuming you're not full of shit. This is assuming you can actually identify good winning bets from bad bets, which is, again, the fundamental act of being a pro, a pro better. Okay. So, again, we've got to assume these people aren't full of shit and let's just give them, let's just give it to them. Okay. And say, say they are going 60% and say they're there, which I think a lot of them are just lying, but let's just, let's just follow them down the path. Okay. And say, huh, they are actually legitimately going 60%. Here's the thing. By the very nature of going 60% over the course of a month or a season or whatever course of time you're talking about, that is tremendously less profitable than going 55%. Now, here's why. There are so many more 55% bets on the board than there are 60%. Trust me, you know, the books are slightly teeny percent or tiny bit wrong a lot, way more than they are very wrong. So by definition, if you're going 60% and you're able to identify 59% and 58% bets and so on, you have effectively passed on all of those winning bets. Now, yes, you will technically have more losers in the end, but you're going to have way more winners and way more volume. So again, just like very rudimentary example, there may be one 60% bet on the board for every 100 55% bets. So at the end of a year, if you're 600 and 400 and you bet a thousand games, that's decent. That's good. You're profitable. But wouldn't you rather be, you know, 50,000 and 45,000? Now I know it's a discrepancy there, but let me tell you, if you're 50,000 and 45,000 compared to 600 and 400, that's a worse overall percentage, but that's so much more profitable. And if I personally were paying someone kind of like a, like a hedge fund for sports betting, right? And I'm paying a hedge fund every month to make my bets and they give me the end of year report and they went 60%. I am fucking furious because I know math. I know how to maximize ROI. I get how this industry works. People who don't get how the industry works, they think, um, Higher the win percentage must mean better, right? Uh, if we if a higher win percentage must mean we're better, that's not what that means. That's actually a worse thing because you're you're diminishing your potential earnings. And again, if you really have the ability to go sixty percent, and you're bragging about that, and you're passing on fifty nine and fifty eight and fifty seven percent bets, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Okay, you're gonna have way more wins and way more money. Now you're gonna have way more losses too, but it's all more about volume. Okay, so. I'm not saying 60% is impossible. I'm just saying it's not desirable. 
No one wants to go 60% who knows the math of break-even percentage, implied percentages, and really making the most amount of money. It comes down to what do you want? Do you want followers? Do you want to make it seem like you're doing well? Or do you really want to make money and maximize the amount of money you're, you're, you're taking back from the sports book? No, people don't think about this. People don't understand this. It's jaw-dropping to me. How many people on Twitter claim to be pros? Oh, pro better, pro better, pro better, pro better. A lot of pro betters on Twitter who are going 65%. It's tough to believe that when they're going 65%, right? And they're all telling you what to do with your money. They're charging monthly fees. They're putting information out there. It's like, this is not good. It's crazy. How many people out there don't know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to this, you know? And you can tell quickly whether you're a lawyer or a doctor or a sports better, did you just compare yourself to lawyer and doctors? I, I maybe, okay. <laughs> just follow me though. It doesn't take long for someone in the industry, truly in the industry to tell a bullshit artist on the outside. This happens in every industry. It doesn't take me more than five minutes listening, hearing, talking with someone to know, are they a real sports better or not? Are they a true pro or not? And this is one dead giveaway. If anyone on Twitter or social media is advertising 60% as a good thing, saying, come on in, we're going 60%, you now know why you should run the other direction. You now know that means, that's a tell. They, know, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because going 55% over the course of a year is going to make you a lot more money than going 60%. All right, uh, we're actually going to wrap things up today with a pick. Well, here's what we're going to do. I, I, I recorded this early on a Tuesday. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to go finish my hockey handicapping, get some goalies locked up, get some injury news locked up, and we'll return with, I think, at least one NHL bet for today. So uh, we'll be right back. All right, here we are a couple hours later. That took a little longer than I thought it would, but uh, let's get some picks out and then get this podcast on out there. Um, Two bets that are widely available that I do like. There's a lot of informational changes. That's why that took so long. A lot of stuff changing for today. But uh, Dallas minus 125. Let's start there. I like the Dallas Stars on the road at uh, minus 125. Now, this one's interesting. This opened up minus 110 or so, and it's moved to 125, but I still actually like it despite us getting kind of the tail end of things. Uh, My buy price is about minus 132, minus 130. Uh, I have, just to let you know, my my exact percentage, I've got Edmonton about 58.1%. So, uh, hey, we've been talking about break even, right? That's the implied odds. So 58% Uh, 0.1% of the time. So that means about minus 138, minus 139 is what we would have. Now, now remember, no VIG means if we have Dallas minus 138, that means we have Pittsburgh plus 138. You know, and if the market's charging Pittsburgh, what, plus 105, plus 110, that's obviously not a good price for us. So we think the line should be Dallas minus 138. So we've got a little bit of a uh, cushion here with 125. So uh, big thing here is their defense. You know, this is taking into account that they do play that classic Dallas Stars defense, but I think they will for a couple reasons. I think the motivation will be there. And I mean, early in the season, the talent's been there already, right? They're fifth in the NHL in uh, expected goals differential percentage, right? How many expected goals you're expected to score compared to give up? Uh, they're fifth in the, NFL, uh, in the NHL in that. Um, every game this season has been by one goal. They've either won by one or lost by one. And Peter DeBoer, their coach, was talking about that. So they're really not satisfied, which is why I kind of expect that max effort tonight. And then the uh, goalie situation. Uh, uh, Ottinger in net for Dallas. Djokovic in net for Pittsburgh. I really like that matchup. So overall... I think minus 130 is kind of that limit, which I would buy it. But right now, widely available, 125 for the Dallas Stars. Uh, Game number two, we're going to take the Edmonton Oilers. Let's see what they are right now. Let's see a good price for them. I got them. I think I got them a bit of a rogue number. So let's give a fair price here. 
Edmonton, we're going to say Mark Consensus is minus 110. All right, so Edmonton minus 110. Uh, I've got this closer to like one. Honestly, I have this very similar to the Dallas game, a little lower, like 130 or so is my price uh, for the, for the uh, um, Edmonton Oilers. Whole question with Edmonton is, what? I mean, what the hell's going on? Like, we know what's going on. It's a max effort, but why? Why are they starting off so lackluster? They're not, it's almost like they, they have this like, expectations to be great so they're kind of coasting combined with maybe a little bit of a hangover from last year I don't know exactly what it is but it's it's got to change quickly it's clearly an effort thing they're so much better than they've shown and if you just plug in the numbers they should be a favorite tonight like they should not be minus 110 minus 110 or anything close to 50 50 but that's how they're judging this based on how Edmonton's played so far they're one three and one so they they need to flip a switch they need to turn it on you know after after five games I think this is the time where they kind of wake up a little bit play that decent no one expects them to be a great defensive team right like they're they're never going to finish in the in the top of the league analytically defensively but they don't need to but they do need to play more efficiently and look we I had question marks during their offseason you know they lose some kind of like role play pieces when when, when Kyler Yamamoto left I thought that was one of the most under like like underrated moves in the offseason he was a big key to that to that team and I think we're kind of seeing that early on, but it's not as much that as it has been the effort, in my opinion. So I think we see a bit of a spark tonight from Edmonton on the road. Sometimes that's what you need. You need to get on the road in an unfamiliar environment to to, to break out of something like this. So Edmonton, I think at minus one ten is a good price. Now understanding what we're going in with, they have not looked good so far, but they're much more talented than they've shown. All they have to do commit. Play that team defense. I think they're going to be just fine. And remember, when I say team defense for Edmonton, that's kind of what it takes because they can break out so fast. They can do so many different things with their forwards. It does need to be that collective effort. That's why I think the approach, the scheme that we see from Edmonton matters so much on a night-to-night basis. But uh, 110, I think it's a good price for the, for the Oilers on the road. So a couple road teams tonight, the Dallas Stars, minus 125 at Pittsburgh, and then the Edmonton Oilers, minus 110 at uh, Minnesota. Oh, boy. All right. My brain's a little gone. I'm going to get some lunch here. I'm going to post this, and uh, we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Buddy Daily.